For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. This is Tailgate Till May, part of the Believe Podcast Network. If you love college sports and you like to have a little action on the games, then this is the place for you because I'm your host, Stephen Gorgie, and I love both of those things too. This is a big episode. We have championship weekend in college football ahead. Tonight, we have the Pac-12 championship game, what looks to essentially be a win-and-in scenario between Oregon and Washington. It's the championship game that I'm most excited for this weekend. So I can't wait to dive into that, the rest of the games this weekend, and a big weekend in college basketball where we have some uh, big-time non-conference matchups. We even have conference play getting underway in the Big Ten. So we got a lot going on this weekend in the world of college sports and a lot to wager on before I get into everything just a reminder you can find me on social media Twitter Instagram TikTok all at the same handle at Gorgon Sports so be sure to check me out there okay so before we get into some of the big matchups this weekend before we get into what futures bets I still have out there and how I'm kind of handling those as we near the end of the season the last weekend of the, I guess we're already in the postseason but the last weekend before we get to bowl play and CFP play I want to talk a little bit about the CFP and CFP selection because there has been a lot of noise this week as we head to Selection Sunday, which will take place this Sunday, and we'll find out who is going to be participating in the college ball playoff. There's been a lot of noise this week about comments made by Bill Hancock, the CFP director, who said that most deserving is not anything in the committee's lexicon, that they are looking for the four best, not the four most deserving, essentially, for, you know, most deserving is not something they talk about. And then Kirk Herbstreet, who is, of course, one of the hosts on College Game Day, one of the more influential people in college sports media, college football media, went on part of my take and, and, a bit, and essentially echoed those comments and you know, talked about how Florida State doesn't necessarily deserve to get into the college ball playoff just because they go undefeated since they're a completely different team without uh, without Jordan Travis. He talked about the same, echoed the same sentiment. They're looking for the four best teams. He wants to see the four best teams. And when I hear these statements, when I hear these comments, it really, really frustrates me because... The same people who will go out and talk about the devaluation of the regular season in college football and how expansion is such a bad thing. College ball playoff expansion is such a bad thing for the sport. And to be honest, I don't know what Herb Street has said about that. Uh, I don't know offhand, but I know there are many people out there who 
talk about how it just devalues the regular season. And it's such a bad thing for the sport. Well, when you go out there and you say that you're not looking for the most deserving teams, you're looking for the best teams, to me, that devalues the regular season more than any playoff expansion you could possibly imagine. I can't imagine having this mindset where you don't think that results on the field, like Florida State going through the first 11 games of the season undefeated and then having their backup quarterback, and I'm making an assumption here, but finding a way to beat Louisville and beat their biggest rival, Florida, to finish out a 13-0 season, if you don't think that's valuable, if you don't think that deserves should have something to do with this, I don't get that. I don't get the point of playing any of these games if what's actually going to happen on the field isn't going to matter. I'm hearing this similar rhetoric when it comes to comparing Alabama and Texas. And that wagon is heating up. This whole SEC wagon, while really the two best teams play in the SEC, really Alabama's a completely different team than they were in the beginning of the season. That Texas loss shouldn't really matter. That's ridiculous. Texas and Alabama played. Not only did they play, they played in Tuscaloosa. I bet on Alabama in that game. Alabama was about a touchdown favorite in that game. Texas won the game, and it wasn't particularly close. Texas looked clearly like the better team in that game, and they won the game, which is all that matters, is what you go out and do on Saturdays, and if there's a win or a loss in that column. Which column do you check after the game? And Texas beat Alabama. And for anybody to say that shouldn't matter if they're both one-loss conference champions, if that shouldn't come into play, I think that's absolutely asinine. I think it sends a terrible message, and not that it really matters as far as precedent goes, because fortunately we will be moving away from this four-team playoff after this season, but I think it would it sends a terrible message that, What's even the point of scheduling a game like that if it doesn't matter? Now, I know Herb Street's comments mostly focused on Florida State and not this Alabama-Texas scenario, but I think they all go together because they're all in the same vein. Like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter what happens. Alabama looks so great now, and they clearly they've grown. Well, like, Texas can't grow why doesn't texas get the benefit of the doubt in that circumstance especially when they're the team that won the game with florida state i understand that they are fundamentally a different team without jordan travis but i don't know how you can blame them for that i don't know i can't imagine can you imagine in the nfl the eagles having a great season right they're on track to be the number one seed in the NFC, but Jalen Hurts gets injured and they still finish with the number one seed in the NFC. And the NFL just says, eh, you're not really the same team. We're going to give you the three seed instead. We're going to bump you down to the six seed. You can still be in the playoff, but you're actually a six or seven seed. That's ridiculous. That's an atrocious way to go about creating a postseason. 
to determining a champion. And that's why I'm so happy that we are going away from this four-team playoff. I'm so happy that we're going away from a committee deciding everything about who gets in and who's seated where. There are going to be real defined rules next year when it comes to the 12-team playoff. If you win your conference and you finish as one of the top six, and I don't can't remember actually right now, have they changed it to five plus seven officially? I can't remember. Have they changed it to just five uh automatic bids i can't remember things have changed so much with the way it originally was set when the pac-12 still existed but originally the way this was all set up you were going to have six automatic bids for your top six conference champions top six ranked conference champions so yes there's still going to be a little bit of There's still going to be a little bit there where the committee is deciding who is ranked where. But look, if you play in the SEC, the Big Ten, the ACC, or the Big 12, and you win the conference, you're getting it. You're getting it. There's almost no doubt about that. And then in order to get a first round by, you have to win the conference. We're actually settling things on the field. And I'm just so happy we're going to that. I'm happy we're going away from this where you have this talk about we're not looking for the four most deserving. We're We're looking for the four best. I don't understand. To me, the whole purpose of sports is to find out who the best is by what happens on the field. So I don't know how you can sit there and say, okay, Florida State, you've done everything that you've been asked. You go 13-0, you win your conference, and not only do you do that, you do that after your starting quarterback got hurt. You you faced adversity you took it head on and you fought through it and you're 13-0. How do you not give that team a chance to show what they can do on the biggest stage? I don't think that should have anything to do with whether they get in or not. The committee has always said that they vow conference championships as, as have always been something that have been important to the CFP committee. And I think in reality, they do value the resume. They do look at who is most deserving. But I don't understand why there's this desire to say we really only want the four best and not the four most deserving. To me, you become the four best by being the most deserving. I would have no problem right now if we didn't have a Pac-12 championship game or there was divisions like there used to be with North and South and Oregon was not in the Pac-12 championship game, despite the fact that Oregon has looked like the better team than Washington since those two teams met, I would have no problem with Washington being crowned Pac-12 champion and Oregon being left out of the college ball playoff because they met on the field and Oregon did not get the win. Washington made the plays in that specific game. Washington has found a way to win 
every game they have played. And I think they deserve to be rewarded for that. You don't get rewarded. It, it's so ironic to me because I feel like it's the same people who are yelling about spreadsheets and advanced analytics and all predictive analytics and all this kind of stuff who are saying at the same time, we want the four best, not the four most deserving. Well, if you look at something like SP+, which I love, and it's a great tool to be forward-looking and predict results going forward, it, it is by its very nature an advanced stat, an advanced analytic. It's one of these things that so many people in college football media say they hate so much. Well, SP Plus would tell you Oregon's much better than Washington. Oregon is quote-unquote better than Washington. So you're going to yell about all that, but in the, then at the same time, kind of support that by saying you're looking for the four best. If we're just really looking for the four best, I don't see the point of even going through this whole season. Why play 12 games? Why put these guys out there? Why not just take 24-7 sports composite rankings, look at the top four, put them in the playoff? Why not just go to Caesars or Circa or one of these sports books and say, hey, what are your odds? What are the odds that these teams will make the playoffs? Who would you power rate as the top four teams in college football? Let's just put them in and have a playoff. Especially when it comes to the case of Alabama and Texas, if you don't reward Texas for winning that game, I just don't see the point in doing any of this. So the bottom line for me is I do hope that the committee does the right thing if Florida State wins. I don't want necessarily to see Florida State in the playoff. Like as a fan, I would much rather see Texas in there. Uh, I'd much rather see, honestly, both Pac-12 teams in there. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be upset if Florida State loses to Louisville and gets left out. I think that would create two better matchups, and I'd honestly be excited about it. However, I think if they win, they have earned the right to be there. They have done everything they have been asked, and I think it would be the right thing to put them in. And I do think the right doing the right thing matters. That was one of the things Herb Street said is the right thing doesn't matter. He doesn't care about doing the right thing. He's looking for the four best. I just don't know how you can ask these guys to go out there every week, put everything they put into, into this, and then leave an undefeated team like Florida State out. I don't know how you can ask fans to go out there and put the energy that they put into this, following it all year, spending money, going to games, watching on TV, setting up these huge tailgates, traveling to road games, traveling to bowl games, traveling to conference championships. I don't know how you can ask somebody to invest in this sport as much as the fans of this sport invest in it. And I think the investment you see see from college football fans and college sports fans isn't matched by anybody. I don't know how you can ask people to do this and then say, those 13 games you just watched, they don't matter. All that matters is we don't think your team is one of the four best. 
the bottom line at the end of the day with all of this for me is this is exactly why I'm excited. We are getting away from this and go into a 12-team playoff next year. All right, now that I got that off of my chest, let's look at some bets. Let's look at some futures. Let's go back to the future. So I want to talk about some of my Heisman bets. I placed a bunch of Heisman bets before the season. I think I did uh, five before the season. I had Michael Penix at 16 to 1. Uh, J.J. McCarthy, Blake Corum, and Marvin Harrison Jr. all at 30 to 1. And then Devin Brown, uh, who was Ohio State's backup quarterback, but at the time I placed this bet, he was still very much in a quarterback competition with Kyle McCord at 80 to 1. I did a half unit on all five of those players. And then in season, right after the loss to Washington, I put down a half unit bet on Bo Nix at 30 to 1 to win the Heisman Trophy. Now, Bo Nix is about minus 200, depending on where you look, to win the Heisman Trophy right now. He was 30 to 1 when I got him. He's the heavy favorite right now. It really looks like a two man race between Nix and Jaden Daniels. And if I win this bet, I put a half unit down at 30 to 1, I'm going to win. I'm going to win 15 units on this and uh, that's a that's a pretty nice little hit right there if it happens now also before the season i was very high on washington i made a bunch of bets on washington including a unit on them to make the cfp at plus 650 a unit on them to win the pac 12 at plus 375 i went in a little bit more on washington at some point early in the season uh september 20th i added another half unit on them to win the pac 12 it was still at plus 375 so if Washington wins, I would win just over 12 units. The way I am kind of treating this is I feel like my Bo Nicks, my Washington bets are almost a hedge on my Bo Nicks bets. I really truly believe if, if Oregon wins this game, Bo Nicks is winning the Heisman Trophy. If they don't win the game, then of course my Washington bets hit. Uh, he might not. Depending on how the game goes, if it's a shootout, if he has four touchdowns, no picks, if it just is Michael Penix makes great plays after great great play after great play, if Washington is just really effective and it's a classic, I think there's still a chance Knicks might win. So I think in reality, though, one of these two bets is going to hit. I think most likely either Washington wins and I, I make a little over 12 units or Bo Nix for Heisman wins, and I make twelve and a, or I, I make uh, I make fifteen units. So I think I'm in good shape there, I, and that's why I'm not really trying to hedge this bet. I feel like my Washington bets are already a hedge on Bo Nix for Heisman. Now, a couple national title bets just to keep an eye on that I have here. I bet on three teams throughout the season to win the national title. Michigan, way back in the summer at 10 to 1. Texas at 11 to 1. And then I added another uh, half unit on Texas at 20 to 1 immediately after they lost to Oklahoma. I also have Oregon at a half unit uh, at 9 to 1 
odds. Now, I, I realized I, I really should have done a little bit more on Oregon when I, I placed this bet because if Oregon wins, if I just look at my uh, national title bets here, if Oregon wins, I put a half unit on them, I'll make four and a half units, but I've, I've also bet two and a half units on Michigan and Texas to win the national title only profiting two units in, in that scenario. Texas winning the title will be by far my biggest payout. It would net out to 19 and a half units. And then Michigan, I would uh, net out at eight units when you take all my national championship bets into account. The thing that obviously is scary here is I'm just circling around Georgia. If Georgia wins, I lose all of these bets. I haven't found really a good way to hedge it all with Georgia yet. So that's the one thing that I'm kind of running the risk of there. But I, I made these bets with the idea that Georgia could not do this again. And my opinion on that has changed. I still do think Michigan is the best team in the country. I think Michigan and Georgia are the two best teams in the country. But I don't need these teams to be necessarily the best team in the country. I need them to be the best team on the field for two games in a row in the college football playoff. And I do feel like any of these three, if they get in, certainly Michigan, I think Texas with that defensive line as well. And then Oregon just with the way that their defense has improved and how explosive and efficient their offense is. I really do think any of these three teams, if they get in, could make a run. I just like to have a little fun with it. I like to let it ride a little bit. And I'm going to have some fun with this one and see if I can hit it big. Let's get into the games this weekend. And the game that I am most excited for this weekend is the championship game tonight in the Pac-12. Oregon, a nine or nine and a half point favorite, depending on where you look, against Washington. Washington, of course, won that first matchup at home earlier in the season. This is the rematch. And the big key in that game was Oregon going for it and failing a couple times on fourth down. And, you know, there is a good chance uh, if Oregon plays it the exact same way, they'll get a couple of those and things will flip. I think Oregon has been the better team since these teams played. But you know what? I love how this sets up because Washington got the job done the first time. And whoever gets the job done this time will go to the college ball playoff. And I think that's how it should work. I think that's how a championship scenario should work. I, I would hate the idea of Oregon somehow just getting in to the champ to the college ball playoff because they've looked better over the last six games than Washington has when Washington beat them on the field. So both will get a chance uh, and, and we'll see who the better team is on a neutral field on Friday night. I don't think I'm betting either side in this game just because of what I already discussed with my Bo Nix Heisman bet with my Washington CFP and Pac-12 championship bets, but there is a bet that I am going to make in this game, and it's going to be under 66 points. And I know the first time around, uh, it was over that. It was 69. This is a game where these teams went back and forth. But I think Washington's offense has changed a lot since that meeting. 
Since that meeting, their offense has become more well-rounded. They haven't been quite as pass-happy. They've gone a little bit more to the running game. In that game against Washington, they only ran the ball 23 times. But in the last four games they've played, they've had 42 carries, 33 carries, 25 carries, and 30 carries. They've gone over 100 yards in each of those games, and they exploded for 316 against USC. I think part of this game plan for Washington might be to run the ball a little bit more now that they're having some success with it and keep Bo Nix off the field a little bit. So I think in a championship game, also things are a a little tighter, especially early. Uh, I think that Washington runs the ball a little bit more here. And I, I think for this total, I, I like the I, I like the under 66 uh, at, at a total this high in a championship game scenario. Now, could I be completely wrong? It goes into shootout mode and it blows by it. Yeah, that's absolutely possible. But I do think Washington's offense has changed a little bit. I think that Oregon's defense is very good and has improved a lot. So I will go with the under 66 here. A couple college basketball bets I'm going to throw in tonight, too, because we have a huge matchup in the world of hoops. UConn goes into the fog. The defending national champions go to Lawrence to take on this year's preseason number one and preseason favorite to win the national championship. Kansas is a two point, two and a half point favorite, and I'm betting Kansas in this one. Both teams have got off to very nice starts this season. UConn is undefeated. Kansas has just dropped the one game to Marquette in Maui. They've played a brutal schedule so far, going to Maui, uh, playing Kentucky in the Champions Classic. They beat Tennessee. They beat Kentucky. They've lost to Marquette. UConn hasn't had quite the schedule that Kansas has had, but they did play Texas on a neutral court, and they played Indiana. Indiana not quite the same level as Texas, and they took Texas down. They're undefeated. They're 7-0 right now. I think these two teams are really close, but I, I think with the home court advantage, uh, I'm going to take Kansas at less than three points. The other bet I'm going to make in this game is I'm going to take UConn big man Donovan Klingon to score under 14 and a half points. Now, his season average is right at 15 there. But when you dig a little bit deeper in games against Texas and Indiana, He scored just seven points in each of those games. And you might be thinking, okay, yeah, this kind of makes sense, right? He's going to be going up against Hunter Dickinson, another talented big man. And that is part of it, but it's not because of Dickinson's defensive prowess. In fact, I I don't love Dickinson on the defensive end. But what I really do like is Hunter Dickinson to attack Klingon on the offensive end. Klingon has shown some propensity to get into foul trouble. In that game against Texas, he was limited to just 13 minutes and he had three fouls in that game in another game against mississippi valley state he also picked up three fouls uh i think that dickinson is probably the it's him and Edie are the two best offensive bigs in the country but dickinson's game's a little bit different where he can take you to the outside he can do some other things uh, i think i'd still take zach Edie if i had to choose but hunter dickinson can do some things that Zach Eady doesn't necessarily do. I think on the offensive end of things for Dickinson, he will be able to attack Klingon. He will be able to tire him out. He will, will be able to get him in a little bit of foul trouble. And I think that will lead to him going 
under 14 and a half on the other end. So give me Donovan Klingon under 14 and a half points. And then a second hoops game tonight. Big 10 play gets underway for Maryland and Indiana. And these are two of the bigger name basketball programs in this conference. Neither is off to a great start this year. Maryland certainly isn't. I was there in person as they absolutely got blown out by Villanova and Philly. Uh, that was after losing games to Davidson and UAB. The Terps have rebounded a little bit the past couple games uh, and they're all up to four and three on the year, but any game they've played against a team with a pulse has not looked good at all early in the season. Indiana, they've struggled with some non-conference games, playing close games against FGCU and Army, Wright State. Uh, even Louisville is a, a team that you don't think of uh, like those teams, but Louisville is has not been a good team. They are not a good team last year. They are not looking like they are a great team this year either. And Indiana has played a lot of close games. They also got blown out by UConn. My play in this game is going to be the under 138 points. These are two of the worst three-point shooting teams in the country. Both are shooting right around 24% from three on the season, which is good for 351st and 354th nationally. Last year, these two teams played twice, once in College Park and once in the Big Ten tournament. The totals in those games ended up being 121 points scored and 130 points scored. Both were low possession games with just 62 possessions in each game. And then for Indiana... They are not a team that wants to play through their guards. Nobody has taken more shots than their center, Khalil Ware, and their foreman, Malik Renault. Those two guys are who they are running their offense through, and they've only combined for, I believe it is 12 or 13, and I'll have to con confirm this here, but they have not taken many threes on the year those two guys uh renault has only taken four threes on the year and Ware has taken eight so 12 threes between those two guys who have taken the most shots on the team when you look at this team holistically they do not utilize the three-pointer like a lot of teams in the country do not only do they not take a lot but they don't make a lot either it's just not how they play so give me the under in this game under 138 in maryland indiana all right back to football and back to these championship games let's go to noon eastern time saturday where we have the big 12 championship game between oklahoma state and Texas. And this is a big line. It's 15, 15 and a half. Again, depending where you look, when you look. Texas, I think for some of the reasons we talked about, really needs to put up a, a big number in this game and look impressive if they want to have a chance of getting into the CFP. I think Texas's realistic chance is for Louisville to beat Florida State and to look very impressive in this game. To me, it should be a no-brainer. If they win and Florida State loses, they should be in. They should be in over Alabama. If there's any debate about that, if it comes down to that at the end of the day, they should be in. I, I, I firmly, firmly believe that. And I don't need to rehash this all again. I think Texas is a very good team. I think they are starting to put it all together. And... 
that 15, 15 and a half is, is a little too rich for me. So the bet I am going to make in this game is Ollie Gordon, Oklahoma State's running back, who's leading the, the nation in rushing. I am going to go under 103 and a half yards. Texas's defensive line has been outstanding this year. They have been excellent against the run. And I think that this could work a couple ways. Right, If Texas can hit some big plays early and get up, Oklahoma State is going to have to go away from, from the run, uh, which is going to limit some of Gordon's carries. Also, Texas has been more susceptible against the pass. As good as Ollie Gordon has been, I, I like Texas's defensive line to contain the run game, and I think Oklahoma State is going to have to be passing in this game. Ollie Gordon, under 103 and a half rushing yards moving on to the next time slot in the day at four o'clock we have the sec championship game that is the game i'm probably looking forward to second most after the pac 12 and we have alabama versus georgia for the fourth time in six years in the georgia dome georgia a five point favorite in this game the total of 55 and a half and i, I looked at this one from so many different angles and the one thing I could come up with is that looking back at Alabama's season, they have been very, very good against the pass since that Texas game. But I can't get that Texas game out of my head where Texas hit a bunch of big plays on them. Quinn Ewers goes off for 349 passing yards. And since then, outside of Jaden Daniels, and I'll talk about that in a second, I don't think they've quite faced a passing game like Texas's or like Georgia's. Look, they've played Tennessee. Tennessee's passing game is not the same as it was last year. They were more of a run-heavy team this year. That was really their strength. LSU, a great passing team, but Jaden Daniels also went off with his legs in that game. So he only went for 272 through the air, but he did damage with his legs. I think there's a chance that Carson Beck in this Georgia offense goes off through the air. And I am going to take Carson Beck. Uh, it's, it's the odds are plus 182 to throw for 300 or more yards. I'm going to put a half unit down on that one. As far as who's going to win this game, if I had to lean towards it, I mean, I like Georgia. Look, I, I've said it for a while now. I think Michigan and Georgia are the two best teams in the country. But, man, I mean, there still is something about Alabama-Nick Saban, the SEC championship game, that's a little bit scary. Georgia has still not beaten them in an SEC championship game. Now, maybe that national championship game they beat them in, that, that washes it all away, and there's nothing there. The, the hurdle's been cleared. The mental block is gone. Whatever, whatever you want to say, but... I, for me, there's still something a little bit scary there. Just the way that I feel like Jalen Milrow has has grown and developed over the course of the season. And I do think Alabama is playing well, despite the fact that I, I, I have to be like, I, I feel like I have to kind of hate on Alabama because all this talk, there's so much talk about how they've grown so much. The Texas game doesn't even matter, essentially, which I find ridiculous. It's not that I'm anti-Alabama at all. I think they have been very good over the course of the season. 
I think if they win this game, they should be in, and I don't think Georgia should be in. And that's what I mean by the games mattering. That's what the games mattering is to me. If Alabama wins this game, they're both 12-1. and Alabama's the conference champion. Put Alabama in the game. Also, put Texas in the game if Texas is the Big 12 champion. Sorry, Georgia, you get left out in that scenario. I am more comfortable with that than some scenario where Georgia and Alabama would both get in for some for some reason. So it's not that I'm anti-Alabama because I'm, I'm a little scared to bet Georgia in this game. Uh, so I'm not really taking a side here, but I am going to take Carson Beck to go for 300 plus yards a half unit the odds are plus 182 i think there's a chance with that passing game they hit some explosives like we really haven't seen hit on alabama since texas but i also think this is the best offense and the best passing game outside of lsu that they faced since the texas game Uh, The last bet that I am going to make on championship Saturday is Tulane minus three hosting SMU. Look, this to me is all about SMU's quarterback, Preston Stone being injured. I think Tulane has been a little bit underrated this year. I feel like they haven't quite been hitting on all cylinders, but they, they, I felt like UTSA had some turnovers against them, but I thought they played really well in that game. I think this is a team built for these big moments, uh, a team that has been kind of getting ready for moments like this. You just kind of, I always go back to how they played against Ole Miss without their starting quarterback, Michael Pratt. And I feel like this team is clearly at a level that's, you know, not quite like competing at the top 10 level or anything like that. I don't think this is a Cincinnati type situation where they would be in contention for the college football playoff for the top four. But I feel like they are very clearly a top 15, top 20 team. And even if they haven't been hitting on all cylinders all season, that is the kind of team that they are. And then they can kind of turn it on when the moment calls for it. Without Preston Stone, SMU starting quarterback, who had a great season, I really like Tulane in this one. I think Tulane is able to turn it on again. And without Stone, I think Tulane rolls. They go to their second straight New Year's Six Bowl game. Give me Tulane minus three at home against SMU. Those are my championship weekend bets. There are a couple other games, championship games I didn't get to, and those are the two primetime games, the 8 p.m. Eastern games, the Big Ten championship game, and the ACC championship game. And look, I'm not going to be spending much time on the Big Ten championship game. Michigan is a three-touchdown-ish favorite, 21-and-a-half, something along those lines. And uh, I just... Michigan's going to win this game, win it easily. I I don't feel much of a need. I don't feel compelled to be locked in on this to watch this one. I will be watching the ACC championship game much more intently because of everything we've talked about. What does Florida State look like now two weeks removed from the Jordan Travis injury? Last week, Tate Rodemaker and Florida State got it done in the swamp uh, with a lot of help from Florida, to be quite honest, with the way they imploded at times in that game. And now they got to do it against a Louisville team that 
always shows up in, I shouldn't say Louisville always shows up in big games, but Jeff Brom seems to always has have his teams prepared for big games. That's that's his trademark. That's what he's always done. Whether it's whether it was Notre Dame this year while he was at Louisville, whether it was uh, beating Ohio State while he was at Purdue, he schemes things up. He loves to bring out trick plays in big situations. This is going to be a huge test for Florida State. So I want to see what they look like in this game, and I want to see what happens. Do they win? How do they look if they win? And I, I've said it a hundred times a day. If they win, to me, they should be in the college football playoff, regardless of who their starting quarterback is. It may not be exactly what I want to see from a matchup perspective in the college football playoff, but I think they have earned it on the field, and that has to matter. The spread in this one is one and a half, and I really just want to stay away with all the uncertainty. Uh, if it was higher and it opened much higher, uh, it, it opened much higher, I, I would think about taking Louisville because of that Jeff Brom big game situational type stuff. But at Florida State minus one and a half, this is a stay away from me, but one I will certainly be watching very intently. That's our show for today. Until next time, keep the grill hot and the cooler cold.